Hello and welcome back to The Paper Crane, a podcast from Codes in the Clouds and a misprint youth productions. I'm Stephen. I'm Kieran. And I'm Joe. No Jack this week. Oh. He's away. He's poorly. What? Yeah, why isn't um, he here? I don't actually know. He, I, he's... Uh... He said he was feeling a bit ill. Uh, I think he's. He said he had. Uh, he's lost. He's lost his smell and his taste. Oh. Um, bit of a headache. Bit of a sore throat. A cough. I mean, it. It just sounds like it could be a cold. No or something, one knows. No one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what. I've. N- I've never heard of those symptoms all as one. No, thing. not as one. One illness. No. Like I, I lost my taste when I, I. I burnt my tongue on a hot chocolate once, but that's. But anyway, who have we got? Who have we got on today's show? This week's guest is Melina Savala, and it was Joe and I that interviewed her. Melina Zavala facts. <laughs> Melina Zavala was born in Argentina, but was raised in the UK from the age of three. True. Whilst growing up, she studied musical theatre, music business, and acting. Hmm. Before becoming a solo artist, she was in the much-hyped indie band Oh So Quiet, who unfortunately broke up just before the release of their debut album. They were brilliant. Since then, she has released two solo records and released her latest single, No Confidence, in September this year. It's very good as well. Both of those albums are on my vinyl shelf. What album, Steve? Oh, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Have you been practising? Yeah, well, Milena tests me on this in, in the interview. Mm. But La Yarara... That was that was. Say right, again. Right? Do that again, Susie. Oh, well, I don't know how many I've got in me. La Yarara. I th- I th- oh. I think it's closer to La Yarara. Yeah. No, you're. Uh, yeah. I am. So yeah. you've been practicing that and wasting everyone's time. You're all right. You are the best. That plane was annoyed at you for no reason. <laughs> Isn't that the first vocal in Saturday Night? Did he add a that? Anyway. Melina Zavala's brilliant. We uh, we had there was a bit of a calamity at the start of the interview. Um, she, there was like a timing mix-up, and then we'd sent the wrong Zoom link, and then she wasn't recording on the right thing, and so she had to go away and set it up. And it and I thought it was a nice compare and contrast with uh, her experience of recording at Abbey Road. Yeah. But yeah, she was uh, she was great to talk to. Uh, she's done loads of cool things. Her music is brilliant. Do check her out. The first thing we talk about is Abbey Road. The session from Abbey Road is on YouTube, and it's stunning. Her so band good. are brilliant. She's brilliant, and she was great to talk to. Enjoy Milena Zavala. Let's start it on a good foot. So this, so this has gone well so far. <laughs> <Yeah>. I think <laughs> we do all. Look- How does this compare to uh, recording at Abbey Road? <laughs> um, I actually prefer it. Uh, I prefer being you prefer in my... this right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Abbey Road was really stressful. Um, oh, really? How yeah. come? Well, because it's like, you know how you're kind of uh, in a legendary space? Mm, um, yeah. And you're just like, oh, my God, I really need to get this right. Also, um, we only had two rehearsals to learn all of the songs so I had to teach like was it like 10 people I can't remember there was 10 of us playing and I had two rehearsals to get it all down so and it's a it's a complex sound it's like you need everyone on point yeah 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 I mean I it's good that everyone was a good musician 
So I kind of had that uh, on my on my side. But yeah, no, this is way more chill <laughs> than that. <laughs> well, it's honestly those Abbey Road recordings sound incredible. Yes. It's got, I mean, obviously, the, the weight of history to the place. Are you a big, like, Beatles person? Yeah, 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 massively, massively. Yeah. Grew up with them. So, uh, oh, same, same, yeah. like, my, uh, through my parents and stuff. Like, my mum, who's, you know, she's nearly 80 now, but she's in, like, this uh, this rock choir thing, and they got to record at Abbey Road, so... Oh, and my she's, So I'm very jealous of her. For wow. her, it was, like, a lovely, fun day out. It doesn't sound as stressful as yours. <laughs> <laughs> but how did, how did it come about the uh, the Abbey Road recording? Um basically uh well we my label wanted to do something really special um for for like a live session and um uh and yeah he it was my label so my label is um uh, Seb, Seb at Yucatan Records, um, now Leafy Outlook, and um, he he's really good at kind of setting up um, like live sessions. And I think uh, we, I think maybe it was like one time I mentioned it. I was like, "Oh, do you reckon we could we could do this?" And uh, and he was like, "Let let me let me just ask." Because we do, I think me and a lot of um, the other artists on his roster have mastered our music there, and I think we've got that relationship with them. Um, and they they don't they don't normally do like one day sessions. I think it was like a real privilege for them to let us do like right. a one day thing. Um, so many things like that seem to start from someone almost like half joking. Like yeah. Abbey Road is yeah. is your go to like you know the the top studio in the world. You go, well, why don't we just do it in Abbey Road? And then it, yeah, there's always there's one person in any organization that's like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it then. And then those yeah. things come about like that. You know, I mean, I kind of I I'm a big believer of like manifesting, <laughs> and so it's yeah. like I'm always like to my manager, um, yeah, I really want to work with Timberland, or like right. some kind of crazy thing and he's just like cool and I kind of just like throw it out there until one day he's like I think this might be realistic and I think yeah the Abbey Road one he got it he got it down that's amazing man that's really good to have like a a manager that's not going to dampen any expectations yeah okay let's let's see what we can do yeah I mean anything's possible really you just gotta you just gotta see if it happens do you ever get that feeling when you when you uh you can you come across an artist or someone that you really respect and you're just like I feel like I'm going to meet them one day and then you like and then you and then you in some ways do like that's happened to me before where where I'm like a big fan of a band and then it turns out that I'm going to their like secret house show party or whatever and it just happens I don't know if that. No, is... I, f- I feel like the universe sort of frowns on us a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, really? You, you do. You build relationships through through like. There's so much better access to people now, isn't there? Like, yeah. well, better yeah. or more access, Massively. and you feel like you know them anyway. Like, yeah. I feel that like half of my sort of musical idols 
if I actually got in a conversation with them, it would I would be too familiar. Yeah. So we, we were just talking the other day. Or well, you were talking <laughs> and I was listening. <laughs> or like one of those like creepy things where you kind of know what this person's done already because of Instagram mm. and then you don't want to be you don't want to sound like a creep. Yeah. Yeah. No, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's something I've got to watch out for here because uh. <laughs> as, as a massive fan of yours. <laughs> on that point, can I just clarify and explain something I said to you at a, a gig of yours once, which I'm sure yes. you won't remember. <laughs> I literally don't remember any of my shows, but <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was just it's just it's, since we arranged this, I, I was just yeah. thinking I was thinking about uh, your show at St Pancras Old Church. Yes. And oh, that was, was ages talk- ago. Yeah, yeah, a long, long time yeah. ago. I was talking to you and I was just trying to make a point that the songs were very well, like classically structured in, just, in terms of just the flow of the chords and the vocal melodies. And mm. I stupidly said, oh, it's a bit like Paul Simon. And I, and I just... Okay. I, and it, but it's not, it's not like Paul Simon, <laughs> you know? And I just, I just like... I think that's the wor- one of the worst artists that you can compare anyone to. Oh, why? You know? Well, we had we had Eric Cheneau on the on the podcast before, and he okay. was he was saying like joking about how people come up to him and say, "Oh, it sounds like Genesis," uh, which, right. which it completely doesn't. <laughs> He's like experimental jazz, and um, yeah, I think it's just what people are listening to at that point, and there's, yeah, there's all these kind of linking threads. But I just, I just wondered if that sort of thing annoys you or like you don't want to be. Nah, I feel like I feel like everyone is allowed to put their own meaning or or project their own um, experiences on music and the way that they they experience it uh, within their own uh, realm of their own mind. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of, yeah, I don't really care because, I mean, to be honest, I grew up listening to, like, did you, wait, Paul Simon, as in, yeah. like, Simon and Garfunkel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grew up, I grew up listening to them. So, to me. So, it's in there somewhere. I think that's a great, yeah. Um, and um, I feel like if, to you, that makes sense, then that that is a truth within within the world or a truth within this dimension and um and i'd take that cool it'd be it'd be bad if it's like oh yeah you really sound like um carly ray jepson or or whatever (laughs) i mean or something like that where it's like okay now wait you really took a moment to see who's who's in the crosshairs who am i gonna choose I don't think Carly Rae Jepsen can impact my career positively or negatively, <laughs> so I'll name her. Well, anyway, that makes um, me feel better about a faux pas that's just been bouncing around my head for the last few days since we right. arranged this interview. <laughs> what, were you just like, oh, I hope she doesn't remember that moment? She's going to say, this is that prick that thinks I sound like Paul Simon. <laughs> the only two lap albums he's ever listened to are Graceland <laughs> and the Elvis number ones. <laughs> yeah no i think i think you're fine i think you're um but so in t- in terms of style and things like that the the new stuff so as we as we speak now i mean i don't know when this is going to come out but as we speak now 
uh, No Confidence has just come out. Mm-hmm. And is it how to pronounce, is it ch- ch- Chacarera? Chacarera. Chacarera. Okay, there's going to be yeah. a lot of that. I predict a lot of that villain it's a it's a huge jump in style from from la yarara yeah la yarara oh my goodness right okay go on try (laughs) so okay la yarara yeah that's yeah well it's it's like it's a massive jump in style i i think anyway Mm. and and then even before that from from the album before that was like that was a crazy jump that was a, a really unpredictable leap yeah are you doing that intentionally is it like um i think it just represents uh who i am as a person um i i'm constantly changing i'm constantly looking for new things i i get bored if i do the same thing i think that if i were to do like two more albums like Aliso, I would be really unhappy. Yeah. Um, and I kind of see myself more as a like comedian rather than what a person who does the same thing. Um, and also, if you think about it, mm, Aliso was my were it was my first ten songs, um, as in like the first songs that I ever wrote, and. Um, I was like 23 when I did that and I'm 29 now and so it's like imagine how much you changed as a person when like you're in your 20s Um, so I think my music just represents where I am in that moment Um, and I think uh, I draw upon the current uh, the current emotions the current things that I um, really care about, the things that I really want to say in that moment. And I think naturally as human that that evolves. Um, so I want that to, I want the music to just represent me in those, in those stages. Yeah. But then obviously there's like these, each album is then like a snapshot. So do you, do you see it as these different eras? Yeah, massively. Because it obviously no one you don't sort of grow in these like plateaus. Like oh, and then I was for three years I was into this sort of stuff, and then I changed suddenly and went into this sort of stuff. But the no, albums delineate it in that way. Yeah, and and I I use music um, as a form of therapy, where um, if I've got something to process and get over, I write a song about it which I'm sure most musicians do. Um, But it's like Aliso was the sort of transition from teenage years into young adulthood uh, and about heartbreak. Um, Yarada was uh, me processing my identity issues with being a Latina growing up in England. Um... And then now, well, now I, I, I mean, it's more about um, the anger, the anger towards a lot of, uh, mm, how do I say this? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, um, it's showing power and anger towards uh, 
the person that I have been uh, that has um, kind of put oh this is super complicated <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. it's like is is let me think about it it's it represents the the anger at uh my experience as a woman as a latino woman right. uh, uh the world obviously the shit that everyone's going through now um but also the person that i grew up to be um that had a lot of weaknesses and and put me in situations that uh didn't serve me and so it's kind of me growing out and and coming into my power and confidence it's a very self-reflective because i, I was <laughs> yeah. i was going to say that the the new stuff seems to me more like overtly political yeah um and like you know obviously the gender politics in there just even lyrically mm -hmm. and obviously there was a, a an element of politics with the old stuff because there was so much about cultural identity and nationality in mm -hmm. there yeah but yeah it's interesting to sort of if I think, oh, I'm going to write a song about politics, it would it be very like observations of what's happening externally. Mm. But you're like, yeah. you're talking about your view of yourself res responding to that. Yeah, and I think, well, it's 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 interesting because I I am quite scared about being openly political. Um, well, I'm not scared, but I prefer not to be, especially on like social media or anything. Like, I want to be quite neutral, but I do have my own, I do have my own views, and I think that when, when like a person is, I don't know, I feel like right now with the state of the world and social media and how everyone is quite sensitive and there's a lot of like cancel culture and and all of that stuff i think the only the only true perspective you can have is your own and 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 when you and when you um have something to say even if you don't have something to say or even if you come from a privileged position or whatever everyone has something to say but i think it's important that it is really authentic and that it's something that you that that really touches you um and yeah i maybe i'm just a bit of a pussy and i <laughs> and i can't really i'm just like no, I, oh i'm scared of being cancelled but i whatever. completely agree with you because i think i think there is that element just due to like with especially with social media let's use that as the example there's such like an absence of like nuanced arguments there it's, yeah it's a lot of just very quick reactions mm -hmm. but i do i love that with your music you can express the these emotions and the people that listen to me your music and are engaged by your music want do want to know the things that are driving you yeah you know so be, be that a political opinion or be that you know whatever or just sharing your experience i think it's okay for you to share what's making you angry however i think you're 
where you're being clever is you're sharing it via your music with your own platform yeah. and there's no way it could be taken incorrectly yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I, you know and i appreciate that you know you're maybe being careful wording things on this podcast but um so look when when you're writing your music is it is it always the same start point is it like is it an emotional thing or is it just sitting with a, an acoustic guitar or or, or or is it just you know I'll stop listing the, the wrong answer and you can just tell me the answer. <laughs> um, uh, it, every song is completely different. So um, I'll go through phases, but almost always um, I will get an idea and it will be basically like two or three bars of a fully produced song. And it will basically be like the melody line, the chords and what and the vibe of what it should sound like. And then my job is then to try and bring that to life. Um, so that's kind of like the main way. Other times I sit down and just write a beat, start from the start from the uh, from the rhythm part. Um and then, yeah, those are two, the kind of two main ways. But or actually, um, the way that I wrote Aliso was I would make loop, uh, guitar loops with my pedal, and um, and I would just like layer, layer, and layer, and layer, and keep layering, and then I would just record that song. And I and I often um, write all my vocal parts on guitar first so oh wow yeah so that's kind of so so it always begins with music rather than an idea yeah and then lyrics is literally the last the last thing right interesting approach to yeah almost fully complete one section as opposed to the instincts my instinct anyway and it seems like most people's instinct is to just you know get a rough version of the whole thing down Mm. and then add the detail yeah i mean i think it is important to get the skeleton of the song down first i think i think sometimes or before i would get too carried away with the production of things um but i do i think recently i i think it is important to make sure that the chords and the melody uh, are really locked in yeah. um, and then deal with all the production after. But sometimes I just have these like impulsive urges of like, oh, and this needs like a swirly thing here. And then I just quickly right. do it. But that's important as well to the identity of the song, isn't it? You know, those yeah. the, the bells and whistles of the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like from your socials that you're constantly recording. I mean, you're we've yeah. seen you've got the, the studio at home. <laughs> Are those the, yeah. are those, do those become demos that are then re-recorded somewhere else or is that the final product? No, so I don't do demos. I just right. record it straight away. Um, which is why I make sure that um, like when I'm writing, all the gear that I have is the gear that I'm going to use for the final project product so that so that you basically like record the magical first take. And then you've got it, and it's already recorded on a nice mic. What well, I am, um, <laughs> I would like. I like to be known as being quite resourceful. 
in the way of like I'm broke, so <laughs> so I like this studio is um, a collection of about ten years worth of like working in oh, yeah. the service industry and buying gear, um, sure. and so uh, I think that once you like put the investment into something and you have the studio you then don't need to go put 300 quid a day on a studio to like do drums or vocals or whatever um i think that if you learn to produce and set up a whole studio yourself even in your bedroom that's like way more valuable and you can save a lot of money yeah um, and that like practically speaking as you say but also yeah like like you said earlier, having that magic first take is the thing that's that yeah. gets to the ears of the listener. That's that's exactly. that's priceless, you know. Yeah, 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 massively. But so, in terms of theme, that the new stuff has changed. But has how is it different musically? Like, because to me, it, it it is a huge leap, but I can't quite sort of put it into words <laughs> why it's different to the album previously. Um, well, I mean. I don't know if like it look it is obvious from the outside but to me all of my music has a thread that um that carries on through everything. So obviously main one is like guitar lines. Uh like a big guitar presence in the music. Recently as I've done more beat making um that's become a prominent thing. Um I would say that um this new style of music is almost a mix of Aliso and La Yadada, but just more confident and maybe more pop. Um, uh, and shows uh, a more kind of truthful side of me, in a way, because I think, like, Chacarera... Um, that is an Argentine folk rhythm. It's an Argentine uh, uh, style of music. And so that relates back to La Yerada, which is Latino music. Um, but it still takes from uh, Aliso with the more like 60s guitar stuff. But at the same time, um, I'm a massive film nerd. And I think I try to make sure that all my music uh, is very has a world and is influenced a lot by the films that I see. So the music video of Chacarera is based on the birds. And so it's like uh, I love all of that weird art house, creepy, witchy yeah. vibe stuff. Ironically, and a film without music <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, it's kind of a mix between kind of like, yeah, the last two albums, uh, and kind of homogenizing it all. I mean, there, there's a new, there's a new album then on the way. That hasn't been announced yet, has it? No, no. What I'm actually just doing. I'm just doing singles for now. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm obviously working on an album, but. Um, I don't want to say too much about it. Like, basically, I, yeah, I've kind of, like, written an album 
But you know how when you write an album and you're like, oh, I'm not sure I need to write more for it. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, basically, for now, I just wanted to release singles because uh, it, it takes a bit of pressure off of doing an album. I think an yeah, album sure. is so... It's so, like this has to be the best thing ever and it's like your next um moment and it's like the next thing that is gonna kind of solidify whatever in your career and i well, don't that know section of growth is you as a person as you said yeah yeah, yeah yeah um and i feel like before uh you know i kind of go through moments of like um writing the album and i'm in complete like productive mode where i'm writing from like 11 in the morning till like midnight um and i and i go overdrive but then i finish the album and then i literally i get burnt out for like two years um so i think doing this thing where i'm doing singles also writing for an album keeps things on like a shorter cycle where it's like there's less pressure because it's like a single isn't part of a bigger thing it's just its own little thing um sure very beatles of yeah you. it's a more pop <laughs> yeah. framework isn't it for a more poppy sound so yeah kind of yeah uh, yeah exactly and it is you know spotify would really like that so um do you do you feel now like a a solo a, like in your core a solo artist just because I, I mean it's actually i i'd like you to go a bit of over your history coming out of oh so quiet oh yeah you, you spoke <laughs> you spoke before about like you know this adjustment to from working in a group to yes to then working by yourself was like a, a big a big change right a fundamental change yeah yeah, but do you now feel like you're a solo artist that used to be in a band, or are you still a band member that's doing it by themselves now? No, no, no. I feel completely solo. Um, yeah, I feel like a solo artist. Thing is, is that um, with Oh So Quiet, isn't it? It's so weird because I think about it, and I was literally seventeen, like I was a yeah. teenager in that band, and um, and but. In that band, my brother wrote everything. And I was kind of the manager of the band. I was like manager, uh, one of the front singers. Um, And so to me, that uh, felt more like like my business project in a way. Okay. Or something that I was kind of... Because I was going to... I did music business at uni. Okay. So I was kind of applying everything that I was learning to that group. But um, when we stopped doing that group and I started writing my own songs, that was when I truly found myself as an artist. Um, and, and yeah, so, yeah, so that's kind of how I feel. Well, that explains the, because I, was, I found, always found it strange that the, your sound as a solo artist is so much bigger and more expansive than in a group, which you, you, you know, it tends to go the other way, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like, 
I mean, it's interesting because with Oh So Quiet, we literally only released one EP. Um, and that was that was done by my brother. He recorded it in his bedroom. Um, but I think um, with my stuff, again, it's just an, the uh, it's just like learning loads of things and and trying to um, trying to really be true to the idea of what what that first kind of idea was meant to be so when i when i first started writing my own music i was really obsessed with david lynch and um and he had a podcast and a book called catching the big fish and he talks a lot about like transcendental meditation which i didn't really get into but um but another side of it was using that in your creative process and um and he talks about how when you get an idea, he he calls the ideas like fishes. When you get the big fish, um, you first of all, you need to have a clean mind in the meditation in order to catch the big fish. But then you need to allow for the big fish to almost tell you where, it, where it's meant to be and what it was always meant to be. So um, I kind of see myself as a like vessel for music, for me to just be like a driver of like, here you go, here's where it's meant to be. Um, and that's, yeah, and I guess it's just me kind of delving into the depths of my mind and what that sounds like. But that wasn't your process or role in Oh So Quiet. So it, it makes a lot yeah. more sense to me now that it's that it's these two very distinct yeah. entities. Thing is, well, my brother helps me a lot. Uh, so, yeah, my brother uh, recently has been doing co-production on these last songs. Right. Um, but he's always been my kind of, like, my right-hand man within music. Because he was, he was, he's the one who taught me everything, so... Um, right. he's very much a part of it still, but I think I've kind of flown off in my own direction. Yeah, very much so. To, to the yeah. extent that um, Milena Zavala isn't isn't listed as a similar artist to Oh So Quiet on, on oh, yeah. Apple Music. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess Oh So Quiet was in the in the throes of the the folk the folk revival that happened like 10 years ago <laughs> yeah i just found it funny because it's you know a lot of the same human beings involved <laughs> yeah. <both> <laughs> yeah but so i mean cultural background and family and nationality is like a, mm -hmm. a big thing in your music yep. like mm -hmm. a, a real prominent theme is yes. it still as central to you now now, I mean, it's it's not the subject of this new material as it was with the last album. Mm. Is it still so key in your mind? Um, I feel like I processed all of that with the last album. Right. So I feel like I no longer feel uh, like I have identity issues. Um, and now... Because uh, I think in that time I was really quite obsessed with it in a way of like 
um, I need to I need to reconnect back with my Latina roots and like what is this like learning everything about it I need to like move to Spain and practice my Spanish more and all of that stuff um, and the, all of that allowed me to uh become to yeah to process all of that but then come back to myself and be like okay now I can just be Milena and now now uh I think the Latino side is really important and it will be in the music part of things um but I think now uh I'm interested in exploring my experience as me not as my as my culture or my heritage so it's like it's 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 in there it's still important but it's been it's been sorted it's, it's in yeah, yeah, apartment. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i have a, i have a couple of questions from a friend of mine who's um who's getting married to uh an argentinian woman um and I don't know if these are, are conversations that they're having in their house uh, or not. But question one is Boca or River? Boca, straight Boca. away. Because that's a very important thing. Yeah, yeah, I understand. yeah. Yeah. Isn't isn't one like the working class team and one is the yeah. the Toffs team? Which one is? Yeah, Boca is the working class and okay, River good. is. It's funny because my uh, my granddad. Uh, would always send us like Boca material, like um, VHS. You know those like football de- documentaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they'd send us like VHS tapes of Boca, um, and then years later, like even after they died, we found out that they weren't even fans of Boca. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, wait, why have you just been like? sending us this like propaganda of a team that you don't even support is so weird this is this um, is a this is a social class indoctrination thing this yeah is, this yeah is them making sure you don't go off a uh, 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 <laughs> yeah uh the other question was uh uh malbec from mendoza or salta oh okay i feel like i'm un- underqualified for this because um, I have no fucking clue. I don't know. I <laughs> that don't sounds know like more of a question about... <laughs> for a river fan, if yeah. you ask me. <laughs> yeah, I have no clue about wine. That, I mean, that brings us on to you know the Spanish lyrics and like which yes. which songs you decide as as suiting Spanish and which suits English. And mm. um, I feel, I think. Um, with oh let me think about her i think with the spanish ones i did actually start with the lyrics first oh okay um because uh in the time of writing that i was really into uh a hundred years of solitude um very classic book by a colombian writer um and uh, it, it, it talks about, it's like a magical realist book. And in my opinion, it's the biggest mindfuck ever. Like, it, you have to be, like, really strong to get through it. Um, but 
in the end, it's probably one of the best book endings I've ever read. And so I wanted to, and that coupled with um, a a load of other, lots, lots of other literature writers from Latin America, which had been sent to me by my grandparents or my dad uh, showed me. Um, I wanted for the Spanish lyrics to be uh, reminiscent of a lot of that literature. So talking a lot about, um, uh, like, animals are very prominent in Latin American language. So especially in um, in Argentina, you you have names or you call you put how do i say this you call things by an animal's name so for example um if if someone is like really posh and annoying uh they're called a gato a cat um okay. or if someone <laughs> talks too much uh they're called they're called the parrot because they right. they yeah. talk a lot and and a lot of these things and um, and so uh, seems to be a lot of, of slagging mix- off of animals going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean I feel like Latinos slag each other off quite a lot <laughs> um, so yeah and so I, I think that for me was super important and uh, I started writing a lot of like poetry um, and then I would create the song around that around that kind of thing um en la noche which is the single from la yarara that is a that's based on magical realism even though the lyrics are very simple um but that kind of started from like looking at cumbia music adding my own like guitar things and making sure it was like a party song but it was also at the same time very psychedelic in some sort of way so it's never Um, that it switches it's just the whole process is different like with the spanish lyric songs they just were always that way well i uh, i don't think i'm the strongest lyric writer um i because as i said like lyrics come last for me and i think that only recently i've been trying really hard on the lyrics um so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I kind of get the same thing with, um, with, so I love this album called Sweet as Broken Dates. Have you ever listened to that? Um, it's basically a compilation album, uh, of music from Somalia from the eighties, um, that it, there was a massive cultural boom that happened before the revolution that they had. Uh, revolution or kind of a civil war um, before the state turned Muslim and they had to get rid of all forms of entertainment. And so the the uh, radio stations buried all the master tapes. And then recently, like years later, they found the tapes and then created this like uh, compilation album. Uh, And it's literally like the best... Uh, Somalian funk music you'll ever listen to um, and the singing is just beautiful it's like 
it's so like the vowels and and the way that it sounds is like so incredible and i enjoy just listening to listening to that without knowing what the lyrics are so i guess like i'm just fine with that Thank you so much to Milena Zavala. It was such a pleasure talking to her. Her new single, No Confidence, is out now. It's brilliant. We all love it. Uh, who have we got on the show next week, Stephen Peeling? Uh, next week, assuming I edit the thing in time. Hurry which, up. Which should happen <laughs> is, uh, is the Deep Blue. And it was uh, Jack and I that spoke with them. Oh, cool. Much they, hyped Deep Blue. Oh, yeah, they're, they're on the verge of something stratospheric, I think. But I I hope and expect the same thing to happen for Milena. Because it's another person of, mm. of which I'm a huge fan that we've got Absolutely. to Absolutely. And I think, it, I think she's, got, she's got a great uh, work, work ethic when it comes to creating her music. There's a reason her music's so good. And it's because she puts the time in and she's devoted herself to it. Much yeah. like uh, Kieran has doing the soundtrack to Name Me Lewand. How was the premiere, Kieran? Oh, it was, uh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was outrageous. Okay. Uh, seeing, seeing and hearing your music on a cinema screen. <laughs> and the, fil- the film loud, looks incredible. Very loud. I was supposed to go, but uh, couldn't because I had, well, I was going to an NFL game. Those tickets aren't cheap. No, yeah, it was... Um... It was a very, it's a very emotional film. A lot of people crying mm. around me. Made me feel a little bit heartless that I wasn't crying. But you've, you've seen it. I've, I've seen the, I've seen it quite a bit. Yeah, whilst doing the music for mm. it. So I was no. more, I was, I was. It was, but it was very emotional. It was great. Sure. Uh, the Q and A afterwards. You got to like meet the family that were in the film. Oh, that's and so cool, man. Got to meet some of the people that were there, and yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, that's so cool, man. And the soundtrack's brilliant as well, Kieran. You should be very proud. Um, but yeah, basically, Milena's ethos is, is uh Milena's work ethic is the same as kieran's you know save up you work and then you buy all the gear that you want to buy slowly over time and then all yeah. of a sudden you have a, an amazing studio and you can create this great yeah work. And you have to create an identity out of it as well Ooh. you know like that's that's the thing that, that sets a real art like successful artist apart i reckon is when they have a an identity to it that you can tell it's their sound absolutely and i think and also but just also having that drive to to create to keep creating and she and she has that um but yeah right. so i'm looking forward to hearing the deep blue i'm 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 a fan of them i'm excited yeah. by them and yeah i'll get on editing that here yeah. from my mum's house so yeah as explained earlier i'm in london but we're not together we're not together i'm in my mum's small house which can explain if you can hear background noise now joe ah we might run into some problems, but I'll be honest. This 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 podcast is due out in two hours. So, yeah. well, well, I've got <laughs> a fix. I would have loved it if I've you got could just fix. slapped a duvet up or something, mate. Joe, I've got a quick fix for you. You can have whatever music you like as long as you're reviewing it, crit- critiquing it. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> let's go quick. Things you can hear, Joe. Yeah. What are you saying on the Coronation Street theme tune? Uh, big tune. I used to sing it with my brothers. Uh, there goes my love again. It was a good little song we used to sing together. Covered, Kieran, Strictly, this season. How's it going? Uh, Tony Adams is doing fantastic. Do you know what? He's turned it around, the boy. He has turned it around, mate. Sorted. That's everything you're going to hear coming out of my mum's telly, I reckon. Well, another bit of cultural news, guys, to leave you with. Have you seen, um, have you seen the film Blonde yet? I haven't. I haven't. What are you saying, Joe? It's, uh, uh, 
It's, well, it's not that great, but she, uh, she's very good in it, uh, Anna de Armas. Um, but what was interesting is what came out of it was the uh, there was there was the the script to um, the the original lyrics to the song "Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend." Uh, it was actually it was slightly different. I think it made a bit more sense. Oh. Uh, so it was the original lyric was. A kiss, so a kiss on the hand may be quite continental. Oh, I've just realised what's happening. Uh, but paper is a girl's best crayon, <laughs> and I think, I think, do you know what? That would have, that would have been better. I think had she. <laughs> some, some I thought I was thinking, why, is, why is he going into talking about a film that has just come out? It took me so long, and it took you, Kieran, even longer. <laughs>